bam, bam, bam. Welcome back to Getting Down with Chris Brown. You, what's good, Hollywood? Welcome to podcast number four. Now, today, guys, I want to tell you a little hush hush secret, a little business secret that just by growing up in Australia, it cost me thousands and thousands of dollars to learn. Hours upon hours of sitting on airplanes, traveling to different cities and countries, working in different jobs, and learning from hundreds and hundreds of different people. It's something pretty much the primary school never taught me, high school never taught me, completing an apprenticeship never taught me, and university didn't teach me either. But the thing is, luckily, today, you don't have to spend that amount of time, that amount of money, and you don't need to get that amount of jet lag. So, growing up around the Blue Mountains in Sydney, the culture that I was specifically surrounded by was more or less related to finishing school and becoming a tradesman. So, that was pretty much just my circle, my my sphere of influence, Um, you know, a lot of the the, the people that were older than me, the, the guys that we looked up to, and most of them became builders, electricians, plumbers, concreters, landscapers. Um, a lot of my mates left school at year 10 to jump straight into a trade, and then uh, pretty much half of us stayed at year 12. But um, yeah, uh, uh, besides that, a lot of people, they went straight into university to study different areas such as like creative arts, tourism, um, communications, psychology, and I think a whole bunch of people that were kind of in my year at school, they studied to become primary school and high school teachers. I don't know why that was just like a trend at the time. A A lot of the girls, they went and done that. When we were all in high school, um, kind of we didn't know what we wanted to do for a career and like yeah a lot of us you know nobody really went into detail about it and no one made clear to it like clear to us and everyone in my in my year uh about the things that like the, the more important things how we will spend nearly a third of our life working um the way that it's going, that us millennials will probably have to work until we die, or at least close to it. And also, how society has set it up for us to to basically trade our money for... for uh, sorry, trade our, our time for money. Basically be a servant for, for other people, for, for the, the richer, the business owners. And basically, the, the more important thing is that if you are not in a career that you are passionate about it can pretty much fuck up your life pretty bad so since i was i was stuck in a job that was paying me it was paying very good money it was paying well and it was a very fun job but the thing is that i got to a stage where it wasn't fulfilling for me anymore and like i I realized i was earning all this money but you know money doesn't solve all your problems Um, My girlfriend, she was recently on a trip in Japan and she showed me the number of people that would be on the metro when she was riding on it who would be falling asleep as they're sitting down and even falling asleep standing up. And that's due to working such long hours and getting hardly any downtime, okay? I've gone through that exact same thing for a long time, working from early in the morning until nighttime, like driving around in the work truck, 
from from uh, location to location, eat, eating as we're driving, trying to scoff down our sandwiches and our lunch, you know, rice and tuna in, inside the, the, the cabin of the truck, and uh, just it constantly being go, go, go. And, and that's the thing that, that's been like, you know, that's qu- quite annoying about some of the jobs where you're, we're running these massive construction and electrical proje- pro- uh, projects, but it's, it's like being on a, on a hamster wheel. It's just go, go, go. Constantly trying to finish the job as quick as you can for, you know, tr- trying to get under budget. And it pretty much never stops. So, yeah, what, what would happen? I would finish the day. I wouldn't have time to go to the gym. I'd finish work, buy, probably usually buy takeaway or buy dinner, shower, and then go to bed exhausted. And like one of the, one of the things that would used to irritate me the most was I'd finish work, you know, at the end of the night, I would be so tired that I wanted to go to bed, but I'd be dreading to get up the next morning to go to the same thing. So you'd be like, mm, should I go to bed or should I wake up? Uh, should I stay up later and um, and wake wake up tomorrow morning more tired? So that's the that's the little little thing that you need to play whilst you're in these situations. But when I've well, whilst I was on, on one of my last projects, I was starting to decide that when I finished the next project, it was it was at the end of the year, so it was coming up to Christmas. I decided that in the new year uh, that I was going to travel, go around, catch up with some friends. I wanted to travel South America a bit. And me and one of my mates, we decided to get our TEFL, our Teach English as a Foreign Language course, and then pretty much just try to set up a better lifestyle. So I just wanted to live a more fulfilling life where I had a good lifestyle, I could train, I could do the things I wanted, study, and pretty much just work on things that I'm more passionate about. Don't get me wrong, uh, like it's very fulfilling the job that I was in, especially finishing infrastructure jobs and like looking back at the end of the day and looking at the stuff that we built and knowing that we provided electricity to entire cities. But I don't know, just deep in, deep down inside me, I knew that there was more to learn and I wanted to experience a lot more. So finishing my TEFL course, my Teach English as a Foreign Language course, and traveling around South America a bit. I, I studied some Spanish. I spent a lot of time in Medellin, Colombia. Um, and at that time, when I was in Medellin with one of my mates from, from Ireland, two of my mates who had done the, the TEFL Teach English as a Foreign Language course, and they were, the, well, they had already got jobs in, in Mexico. One in Mexico City and one in Guadalajara. And they were informing me on how they were basically up at the dawn, at, like at the dawn of the day, super early, catching the bus around the city and then working all day, like working for a few hours in the morning. They'd have like a little period in the middle of the day when they had a break and then they would have another shift late in the afternoon until night time. And then the same thing, just go home late, like eat on the way home, go to bed, wake up the next day. And they kind of made me realize that I need to sort something out because I was definitely not in the mindset and not having the intentions of of living that same lifestyle. If I wanted to be working pretty much all day, every day and not having time to do anything that I actually wanted to work on, then I would just go back to my job in, in Australia and swap my time for money 
but it was, I was making a substantial, like, larger amount of money back in Australia. So something that I regularly observed in different places is like the work ethic and the creativity that some people in different areas that I've traveled to, that they have in creating their own business and creating their own income. Like any anywhere you go, especially in, I find in Latin America, just like walking down the street, you can find any different types of like small businesses, like anything from food, like different food stands, taco stands, uh, people selling jewelry, people selling coconut water, totopas con salsa, which is just like chips with hot sauce. And like, you should say they sell a bunch. They, one of my favorite things is the ensalada de fruta con chili, which is, um, it's just like fruit salad chopped up with, you, you choose your favorite fruits, add the chili powder, the chili sauce, and man, it sells so much and it's so good. And like, just little things like that. You'll be driving down the street and you'll get to a traffic light and then people come out and if they notice that you have a dirty windshield, they'll wash it for you. Or circus tricks at, at traffic lights, magic tricks, uh, walking down and like when people are doing like animated drawings of like yourself and your partner. Or just like, people doing whatever that they can to get by, to, to get some income coming in. And like, yeah, I don't know, See, seeing all that, it's, it was just like a little bit different to me when, when I first started traveling a fair bit. Because like where I grew up in the Blue Mountains, you'd be walking down the street and the only thing that would happen is you'd see like the alcoholic at the front of the, the bar or, you know, uh, a, a lad being like, you got a spare ciggy bra or, or you got a spare 50 cents. So yeah, now that I have, I've got like a larger circle of friends who are entrepreneurs, business owners, some are great and like top level at what they do. And then there's others that are just scraping to get by, just do it, like working hard and doing enough to, to pay the bills. And, but like after experience, a lot of real, real life hustle and grind and and, and see, seeing a lot of different businesses and how people conduct themselves, it's easy to understand why some people became become very successful and financially free when a bunch of other people, they continually to work super hard but struggle to make ends meet and they're working their asses off even harder than the more successful people. Now, some of my friends and mentors, they've got businesses such as, you know, like supplement businesses, e-commerce, clothing brands, food and beverage companies, and so on. And one of the main differences in the successful people, the ones that are kind of up towards the summit of their particular niche, compared to the people who are just getting by and like, you know, struggling to make ends meet, one of the most things that stands out the most is firstly mindset which is having like an abundant mindset compared to a scarcity mindset but two of the most important skills that like that 100% easily stand out and it's very very clear to see who's better at that and who's not is the what the number one who has marketing skills and number two who has sales and closing skills something that was never kind of taught to, to me growing up. I've done a lot of business courses, business subjects in high school, and those two particular skills were never taught to me at all. 
Now, with different statistics being thrown around all the time on the amount of small small businesses who fail, I looked at the Australian Bureau of, St- of Statistics and it says that more than 60% of small businesses shut down operation within the first three years of operation. That is terrible. And like, I don't know, I, I think we all have our, you know, ideas on why, why they do fail. So yeah, give me, give me your, your ideas if you want. But some of the, the, the more basic reasons why, in my opinion, is they don't do enough research. They don't know who the most successful businesses in their niche are. They don't put customers front and center. And they don't adapt to the market shifts, which are forever evolving. Like, just for example, for the last, I don't know, six months in Australia, in Australia, there's been super bad bushfires, okay? Right after that, and which is still currently taking place, is the coronavirus. So that's put so many people out of business for such a long time. Now, one of my good mates, he's got a a coffee shop in Wentworth Force, Cafe Element. Me and my mate Tay-Tay, we were going there and and like going there for breakfast and coffees whilst it was in the middle of the bushfires. And like, they had no business going on. No one was going there. Uh, they were super, super dead. I think, or like, it wasn't just them. It was all hospitality in the Blue Mountains. They shut down the the um, the trains coming from Sydney. They'd put signs there in Sydney. Hey, tourists, don't travel up the Blue Mountains. All it is, it's super smoky. So, like, my mate, his his coffee shop, it was it was dead, and and you know, that they were just kind of chilling, um, like laid back, and like no no one in hospitality could could really do too much about the bushfires but now like i'm seeing what they're doing now and they're doing like new burgers home delivery and they've kind of adapted and you can see how much busier they they are it's the same thing with uh milky lane it's it's like one, one of the the highest growing kind of burger and cocktail places in sydney it will it started in in bondi now that it's turned into a franchise but you you look at the the, the the owner like Christian Event he's like like always talking about like you know adapting to to the changes that are taking place whilst a lot of people are just like getting their their money from the government and and sitting back I know that he's that they're working on on like making their their home delivery system way better um, and, and just like adapting to what's happening with the with, with the world that's what you pretty much need to do so it's good to see companies doing that and then you look at other companies that are just sitting back and be like oh i can't do much until the um you know until this stops and then the the bushfire stops and then the coronavirus stops so like yeah it's it's good to see when good good companies do adapt and, and overcome these these problems that we have but what my own goal my own goal is in life is to become world class in sales and marketing and I've kind of realized after growing up and like me and all my mates, the, the type of like guys we were, we were always just into sports, always into comp, uh, competition. And what I've realized that you, like you can sit there and be obsessed with things like, I don't know, people these days are obsessed with like making TikToks, celebrity drama, like the Kardashians, uh, like watching sports, whether it's like, you know, NFL, NRL, whatever. Like I love my sports also, uh, don't get me wrong, like people obsessing with video games. 
But the thing is, if you're obsessed with business, especially sales and marketing, one, you serve people and answer their problems, whether you're selling like, like goods or services, which is extremely rewarding. I, I've found out immensely that it's very, very rewarding. And number two, you make a lot of money from it. So I've had jobs that, that paid great, but they didn't fulfill me. So for the past few years, I've been learning and implementing skills that do help other people and it feels way, way better. And in my experience, it's very energizing, wakes me up in the morning, like with a fire in my belly. Like I literally once, you know, at the crack, like crack of dawn, I try and get up before the sun gets up every day. And like when, I, when I'm work, like working for a company, doing something that I'm not passionate about, I just want to sleep in every day. But what I've realized when I'm working on my own projects and like I'm doing something which is going to help a lot of other people, I get so like inspired and like motivated and it just gives me so much energy. Now, the thing is, our 85% will, will uh, scientific studies and statistics show that 85% of people are, un, are unhappy about their chosen careers or the job they are in. And like most millennials know that they will be working for a lot longer amount of time compared to the the older generations. Like we'll be working probably way longer. Like our retirement date has been pushed back a fair bit. Now, when my girlfriend, when she was in Japan, she saw how everybody was falling asleep, standing up on the metro, super burnout. And like, I don't know, like Japanese, they expect to work until they die. So, I don't know. I, I just don't think that that's good. I think you can make changes in your life so work doesn't feel so much like it's a job. Like, there, there's been studies conducted worldwide and it shows that, like, millennials, and I've done the exact same thing, that we prioritize three things when we're choosing a career. And it's definitely what I prioritized when I picked my career when I was 17 years. And number one, money, how much money you make. Number two is job security, job secu- security, and three, holidays and time off. So whilst millennials prioritize money and job security and vacation time, wouldn't it solve a lot more problems creating your own business or creating something for, for yourself and setting up something where you're working in the area that you're most interested in and you're serving other people. Obviously, not everyone is going to do it. Most people won't. That They are content with just working for someone else and you're content with not being as happy as you could be in life. Most people can't even work out what they're interested in because they don't try enough different things and they just go day to day to day just you know, living in the moment, not knowing what they want to do, not 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 knowing what their future is going to hold, and not setting up anything for their future. So, but a very important thing that most people don't understand is that there are 7.8 billion people in the world. 7.8 billion, <coughs> and that's that's numbers growing. I think by like 2030, they think it will be up towards nine billion. But who knows with this coronavirus thing going on right now, who knows? But yeah, we're living in a technological era. So it's so easy today compared to 
the, the last few decades in starting a business, starting a, a, a side side hustle, or just doing anything to, to get more sources of, in, of income coming in. If you're selling any type of tangible or intangible asset, whatever it is, or how great it is, or how fucking shitty it is, chances are someone will still buy it. What one of my mentors, Macias, taught me, he, he said to me one day, he's like, Chris, shit, like, I don't know, I, th- I think at the time, I was, I, I didn't understand, like, sales and marketing as much, and he, he asked me, Chris, show me your phone, and it, it, it's an uh, iPhone 6S, he, he asked me, is, is that the best phone out there, and I'm like, nah, the I'm pretty sure there's the iPhone, I don't know, iPhone XS, the iPhone 11 coming out. Um, I don't even know these days. He asked me, is it the worst phone that's out? And I'm like, no, it's definitely not the worst phone out. And then he asked me, what is the worst phone out? The the worst phone out on the market. And I'm like, "Mm, I don't even know anymore. The the old, old school ones that we used to have was, you know, the Nokia 3315, but... I'm not even sure. There's like a bunch of shitty phones, but pretty much any phone besides the iPhone or the Samsung. So then he's like, Chris, look, there are still people out there who buy these shitty phones. Like they're still out on the market. People are still buying them. And that kind of made me think, if you've got a shitty product, people are still buying it. 7.8 billion people in the world. Now, if you can't sell to us, a few out of 7.8 billion dollars your product must be fucking super super shitty now if you have a great product that serves people and can change people's lives it shouldn't be a problem selling to a few numbers out of the 7.8 billion people alive and just remember those numbers are, uh, are growing unless it gets up by the coronavirus of course but anyway for people stuck in jobs that you know that, that, that you don't like and you, you, you're struggling, you're not motivated to go to work every day. Because I know a bunch of people are. A lot of my, my, you know, my, my family, my friends, and they're, like not, they're not in, in jobs which they love and are motivated about. They're not even making a lot of money. So I just want to give you a few outrageous business ideas that made somebody very, very rich and just to try and comprehend how easy it is to make money. So number one, Steve Harmon, he invented the pool noodle, which is, everyone knows what a pool noodle is, just that little uh, colorful foam tube that floats in the pool, also used good for for boxing when when you're practicing your defense work, but anyway... The pool noodle, um, they sell anywhere between six and eight million million of them of them items per year. Okay, just comprehend that. Now, number two, Scott Boylan, he invented the snuggie. Uh, I don't even know if everyone knows what the snuggie is. You've probably seen it, but you might may not remember what it is. But the snuggie, simply a blanket with sleeves on it. It's kind of like uh, a dressing gown, but but the other, you turn it the other way around, and then yeah, it goes around your body. It's like usually worn by people at sporting events, or you'll find them walking to the supermarket late at night who are super high buying some munchies. And like yeah, since two thousand and eight, over thirty million snuggies have been sold, raking in over five hundred million dollars. 
500 million dollars for a fucking uh, dressing gown which is worn the wrong way around pretty much okay number three Arthur Melan and Richard Nur they invented the old hula hoop uh, everyone knows what the what the hula hoop is you would have seen it at your primary schools just a simple plastic hoop which is spun around the hips and they got their idea from Australian school kids using bamboo hoops and when they started selling them in, in different colors for $1.98 a piece 25 million of them were sold within four months excuse me craziness 25 million in four months for a fucking hula hoop. Okay, number four, Alan Maiman and Cooper Weiss or Weiss. Okay, they're two 17-year-old school students that didn't even invent this, okay? Just two little skinny, ratty 17-year-old school students. They they didn't invent, but they they started by using uh I think you know what it is. It's it's called the fidget spinner. It's a toy, basically a ball bearing device that you like spin whilst it stays in your hand. If you've got like ADD or you can't sit there without fucking fidgeting, it's good. It's the fidget spinner. These two fucking skinny 17-year-old students, they started by using their school 3D printer and then it led to them being one of the first companies which mass-produced this fucking fidget spinner. They made $350,000 of sales in six motherfucking months. No mames. So, pretty much, no matter who you are, or where you are from, or what kind of environment you came from, I'm sure there's something that you can offer to any of the customers of $7.8 billion in the world. With the number rising, or with the coronavirus, might be going down quicker. But yeah, even if you think you're in a job that you hate, there are people who pay fucking $28 for a shitty fidget spinner. So, that's that's what, what my goal is. My goal is to help you live a more fulfilling life, where you aren't like the, these old poor, the poor Japanese people who my girlfriend saw standing on the metro in, J- in Japan, sleeping, standing up, as that's the only downtime they have. Because like, yeah, that, that's what I used to be like. I used to be fucking super excited when I was at work sometimes, when it was super busy, had no downtime, I wasn't in the mood, and like, you'd go, well, I would go and sit on the toilet, do a shit for 10 minutes, and that would be the best 10 minutes of my day, you know? So, the little hush-hush secret that cost me thousands and thousands of dollars, hours upon hours of sitting on a fucking airplane and traveling throughout different cities and countries, is these three things, okay? One, there are business opportunities for each and every one of you in this world. If you can't offer any type of value to anyone out of the 7.8 billion people, then it is a good idea to stay working for someone else, and that's perfectly fine. However, I can guarantee that just just starting your own thing, it gives you a lot of energy, motivation, and fucking you get up every day pumped up, man. It's like taking pre-workout, that, that first one, that jacked, jack ED or whatever. That shit used to pump you up hard. That's what it is when you're working on your own shit, in my, in my point of view. Number two, marketing. If no one knows what you have to offer, nobody can gain the value that you are offering. Like, if no one ever saw what a fucking pool noodle was, 
it would just be a worthless plastic tube of foam. But if you market it and like you're you're showing people what you can offer, what you have to offer, whether this is trying to get a better job or if you're trying to sell an item or offer a service, if no one knows what you're trying to do, nothing's going to happen. Okay? Imagine if, if Conor McGregor, if nobody ever saw who he was, he would be, or Conor McGregor, whoever your favorite sports star is, if Conor McGregor stayed in Ireland just in the small town of, of Dublin, he would be the best fighter there, but no one would know who he, who he is. It's about marketing yourself and getting yourself out there. Okay, number three, sales. If you can't sell yourself and sell what you have on offer, then you might as well not leave your bedroom. It's like one of a great saying what Warren, what Warren Buffett says. I think the third most rich person in the world. The motherfucking goat. If you can't communicate, it's like winking at a girl in the dark. Nothing happens. Basically, you can have all the brain power, the intelligence, be the smartest motherfucker in the world. But if you can't communicate and sell your ideas or sell yourself to other people, then it is useless. Okay, guys. So, yeah, I hope, hopefully you have a, a little think about that. Think about all the options and opportunities that, that, that are available for you. And if by um, me sharing these, these uh, little stories and, I don't know, just shit that's on my brain, then if I, if I can motivate or inspire anyone to create better opportunities for themselves, I will be a happy chap. Thank you for listening to Getting Down with Chris Brown. Peace.